0: I'm speaking with Michael Boatman. His new book is The Revenant Road. Thank you for joining me, Michael.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Michael, I, your book is all about monsters, and we were just talking about it. I, I'm a big monster fan. Tell us, when did you first decide to write
1: about monsters? I decided to write about monsters. I've always loved monsters. Uh, I'm a huge horror fan, and uh, I'm not a fan of, like, slasher films. I mean, like everyone, Friday the 13th, Halloween, those are great films, but I love Dracula. I love werewolves. I love, And I love different takes on monsters. I love, I love takes from other parts of the world. Every community in the world, you learn, as I learned when I was doing in certain pieces of research for this book, every community from Africa to China to you know parts of Asia and you know, Europe, they all have their monsters. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to bring those ideas to America? Since America is a melting pot, you know, our monsters should be a part of that melting pot. And so, when I started writing this book, it was it was sort of partly an homage to the old Night Stalker TV series because I love that idea about a guy who's trying to tell the world, "Look, there's monsters out there. It's not the world is not." as it appears, and no one believes him. There's something about that idea that I loved, and, and that's where basically the idea came from.
0: Now, tell us uh, uh, about some of the research, and, and maybe give us, can you give us a preview of some of the kinds of monsters? <laughs>
1: Uh I you know it's great the the, the internet is it, it's the greatest time in the world to be a writer right now because of the internet. I I researched ancient uh there there is a monster in the Revenant Road um called the with the Yuren Y E R E N which is a Chinese Bigfoot basically. It's a Chinese wild man and he plays a huge part in the book. Um but there's also something called a Sukayant which is a monster from Trinidad which is sort of a It's a vampire, but it's a vampire that crawls out of its skin when it's attacked and flies around the room in in the form of a ball of fire, you know, burning people and blasting people with fire. And the only way to destroy this particular Caribbean vampire is to fill its empty skin with salt. It then has to climb into the skin, which actually happens in the book, and count every grain of salt, and then you can stake it or whatever. And when you got you got ideas, like you got material like that, you just got to put that in a book. And so I just thought, wouldn't it be great to find ways to incorporate, you know, monsters from other traditions in the world besides the old sort of Central European, you know, Dracula, werewolves, that sort of thing. And yet those guys also make appearances in the book as well.
0: Now, this is the first book in a series, I hope.
1: Yeah, I, I'm tentatively calling it the Damnation of, Ob- the Damnation of Obadiah Grudge series. But uh, The Revenant Road is the first book, yeah. Tell us
0: a little bit about this character. I really like his name,
1: and I like his attitude, too. Yeah, Obadiah Grudge is a, a very successful, best-selling crime writer. Um, he's a bit of a misanthrope. He doesn't like people very much. He doesn't even like himself. He lives in a, in a, in a, in, in a brownstone in Brooklyn with black walls. The only color in his apartment is um, a review that was sent in by a, a critic that reviewed one of his books who actually vomited on the, on the review and submitted it for publication, and Obadiah, because he's a little bit perverse and angry, he actually posted and put that review up on his walls to give, just to give his walls a splash of color. But he's a guy who's um, he's, he's sort of angry. He was, uh, he was abandoned by his father when he was nine years old. And as it turns out, in the, over the course of the book, we discover that his father didn't just abandon him because of the old sort of typical reasons. It turns out that his father was actually the world's greatest monster hunter and that he was abandoning his, father, his, his, his wife and son to protect them, that in fact monsters were you know trying to kill Marcus Grudge who was Obadiah's father and in order to sort of lead the monsters and this there's a, there's a, there's a whole sort of community of monsters that come from a, a sort of an alien realm that I call the raving in the book and um, they basically sort of follow Marcus Grudge away from Obadiah and Lenore his wife and family but as a result Obadiah still grows up without a father and he's very angry about it and so he's, he takes out his anger by drinking and by writing these very angry pieces to the New Yorker and writing very angry stories, which are bestsellers.
0: Now, um, could you talk uh, about um, creating the arc of this first novel? Because when you're doing this, you have a lot of work to kind of set stuff up, but you still want to tell a story.
1: Yeah. It's important to tell a story. I wanted to sort of, in, in the first book, I wanted to introduce... The readers, of course, to Obadiah, because I, I think that the way that you draw readers in is through character. Um, I, I felt that I had a really good idea in, in, in the idea of a, of a modern day monster killer, monster hunter, but I, I wanted him to be a reluctant monster killer. There's you know, He doesn't even believe in monsters. He doesn't want to believe in monsters. At one point in the book, he, he, he reveals that horror fans people who read horror stories love his his novels even though they're not horror they're they're crime stories and he doesn't know why he doesn't understand why horror fans would love it there're no monsters there're no vampires or werewolves in his books but what later comes out in the book in in, in this book is that he, he discovers that he's sort of subconsciously channeling the energies of this other you know alien land the raving into his writing and so people are responding to it almost on a subconscious level and in fact the raving is Every one of our of humanity's monsters sort of made real that, in fact, when you go to sleep and dream about monsters chasing you in the night, that you're actually going to a real place and that this is the raving. And from here, the monsters are emerging into our world. And this is what provides sort of the first threat for that Obadiah has to, has to encounter as a monster, as a monster killer. You mean the entire staff of UC Irvine is 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 alive at night in the raving? That's right there, there, there are very specific kind of monsters there. But uh, yes.
0: Now tell us a little bit about when you set up this kind of world like this. Do you have like a kind of an off-stage book that you know like a? Do you, are you creating like the 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 uh, user's
1: guide to uh, life with the raving? Um, yeah, I, I I do. I think that. Um, you know the raving sort of has its own rules, you know, and I'm discovering those rules obviously as you go along. But um, yeah, I mean, I, there's there's actually in in this edition of the novel, there's a there's a sort of a bonus short story at the end of it where the characters you, you learn a little bit more about the raving and what this means and what it means that there's actually another dimension set apart from Earth where all of humanity's monsters actually dwell and um so yeah i mean it's 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 when i was writing the novel it was still a little hazy i tried to make it as specific as i can but you didn't travel too much into the realm in in the first book it's more about the monsters from our nightmares breaching the 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 sort of barrier into our world and coming in and being a threat that way
0: one of the things i loved about your reading and about the book just when i picked it up it it 's really hilarious, you use uh, swear words really good and and swearing is a really important part of humor that kind of there 's this kind of pacing. Could you talk about you know choosing the language
1: because it, it seems like it 's made to read aloud you know it 's interesting that 's a good question uh, because i 'm an actor and i 've spent so much time so much of my adult life as an actor and, and and listening to playwrights and listening to screenwriters, listening to their words and how they choose words. Dialogue is really important to me, and it 's something that I think I have a. Uh, a a peculiar gift for for rendering on on the page and um, so for me, and dialogue is something that I appreciate in other writers' works as well. And for me, I really wanted the dialogue in this in this book to sort of really propel the story, much uh, hopefully more than in, than in other books. Um, and swearing, I, I love to swear. I, I try not to. I have four kids now, so I don't swear as much. So all of my all of my repressed rage goes into my books and goes into my stories. And so I think there's nothing there's nothing better than a, than a well chosen swear word. I, I I think that. I I have friend I have one particular friend in fact who is who's a, is a brilliant swearer he just but it's only he doesn't overswear he doesn't underswear it's just enough and so I I always sort of think it's fun and and sometimes it's even still a little shocking to see the f bomb dropped in the middle of a of a tirade about you know vampires or something but and it's also how you know real people talk so now, one thing about books like this is that they give you the
0: opportunity to talk about things that are happening in the real world and, and address address those issues. Could you talk about uh, doing that in this
1: book? Yeah, well, I mean, all fictional horror is metaphor. I mean, and so I, when I was writing The Revenant Road, I, I, I remember sort of it was, I believe it was right at the beginning, right midway through the Iraq war and this idea that humanity was sort of being besieged in our sleep by this other realm was very much influenced by the war. That the idea that there is this other place on the other side of the planet where horrific things are happening and it really could be something that we could ignore Except for the fact that all of those people who were hurt and injured and killed have to come back home, and and be a part and be and be and be a part of our society, and so I, I see that now. I see that metaphor now. At the time when I was working on it, I just sort of remember thinking, oh, you know, this has something to do with the war, and I couldn't really put my finger on it as specifically as I can with hindsight now, but. That, that was very much sort of in my mind as I was writing about the raving and 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 what it, what this idea that there were these events happening beyond our common purview, which now then begin to spill back into our everyday world.
0: I've been speaking with Michael Boatman. His new book is "The Revenant Road." Thank you for joining me, Michael.
1: Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you very
0: much.